Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and however you are listening to this episode of Leadership Bites, it is fantastic to have you with us. On this episode of Leadership Bites, I am joined by Clara Min. Clara is the Global Head of Franchise Sales for Adidas HQ. I love this episode. Clara is funny, she's engaging, she's very smart, and she has a real sense of energy and direction about her, which I think is absolutely infectious. Clara is also making an announcement on this episode, which I think a lot of people that know her will be fascinated just to hear the history, the stepping stones, and in essence, the real clarity that she has around her journey and why she's making the steps that she's making. So without any further ado, let the episode speak for itself. Enjoy and hope to see you on the next one. Welcome to Leadership Bites with your host Guy Bloom, a leadership podcast, conversations, just me talking and occasional interviews. Check us out at livingbrave.com and when you enjoy the episode, subscribe and tell everyone. On that note, let's begin. Yes, let's do so. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I know, right? So Clara, I know who you are, obviously, because we've been talking and I'll have done a little intro just to the episode itself, but it would be great just to get a sense of the role that you're doing now, what that encompasses, and a little indication as to current context and what's going on for you, and then we'll get into the episode and the podcast. It'd be great to hear who Clara is. Great. Yes, as you just heard, my name is Clara Min. Actually, I'm a Senior Director in Retail and Franchise Sales at Adidas HQ. How boring is it? Right. That sounds awesome. <laughs> no, I think I want to uh, give the impression that, you know, like I want uh, my audience to understand, you know, to picture of uh, what Clara looks like. So oh, my yes. actual, <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, my actual introduction that I want to give you an idea is, yes, I'm a 46 years and eight month years old lady, as, mm. I, was, as I sound. Uh, just freshly opened up a new world, a new adventure of la- her life words to her life mission and full of excitement and livelihood. Okay, well, we're going to get into that in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm South Korean, born and raised in uh, Seoul and studied in uh, Seoul, New York, Munich, Germany, and Malaga, Spain, and now in Germany in HQ Adidas, uh, living and working here for uh, five years by now in sales and strategy area. Yes, you can imagine Asian woman <laughs> in Western world in a very male dominant part of the organization, you know, sales and strategy. Yeah, so that's me, 25 years of uh, career okay. total. Mostly I was working in the international companies in three big continents, I would say, Asia, Europe, and America. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think I'm successful in my career and life. But, of course, there are a few moments of uh, challenges and difficult moments, which probably I'm going to share during our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you for that. That's a fantastic introduction. Maybe just to give a little bit of context as to how you got to inhabit the role that you're currently in. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm stressing on that word currently in because yeah, I yeah. know what's coming. It's like I've been told the birthday present. Yeah. So. <laughs> You've given a real top end there. And let's be clear, regardless of what it is, it's a prestigious role in a 
incredibly well-known and prestigious organization. So be, I think it'd be helpful for people to almost go, how the heck do you get to a position like that? <laughs> exactly. That's my question as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it's also a good question because it's also sometimes or oftentimes I was like, what am I hell I doing here in far East Asian lady sitting in Germany, not even Berlin or Munich, you know, it's a Herzogenaurach, you know, this is like a middle of nowhere, actually. But headquarter, great headquarter. If anybody if been to our headquarter, it's a really mind-blowing organization and then set up or the company itself. How did I get there? I don't know. I, I think it was just a journey that I was pursuing. And actually, I think it's linking to the vision of my life that brought me all the way here. Meaning that uh, actually my Adidas journey, of mm -hmm. course, there is the, there was companies that I've been working with for before Adidas, but Adidas journey started in Adidas Korea. So Adidas Korea, I started my journey in 2007. So around eight years, I was in Adidas Korea, leading one of the team as well in there. Actually, I met great leaders, great experiences, great opportunities, all this, my personal development and also the work-related uh, opportunities that I had. And over these experiences, I was wanting more. I was always looking for something new and big and things that I can grow. And after eight years of experience, almost like close to the decade of some brand that is well known all over the world, global brand, I was really curious about what's, what it is like uh, working in headquarter. I really, actually, I really wanted to graduate <laughs> this company by working in the headquarter. So that's why before 10 years hits to my Adidas history, I wanted to move to headquarter. And then at that time, uh, I had a good, great opportunity that I can uh, really, that I really wanted to go for. And then, you know, without any question, I just came all the way here. What I'm uh, the currently, what I and my team is doing in global headquarter is uh, we are, I always explaining our global work is like this. So <laughs> we are interpreting our company vision and strategy into my responsibility area. I'm leading one of the sales channel in Adidas now in headquarter. So interpreting company vision and strategy into channel strategy and define the priorities or create projects or uh, some action plans to drive this strategy, make this vision come true. With our counterpart in all over the world, our subsidiaries are all over the world. Of course, everybody knows that Adidas is present in, in all over the world in uh, different markets, support uh, so, so subsidiaries, and we co-create this uh, framework or project or action plans together. And then our organization or my organization is also uh, supporting and driving this execution along the way with these channel leaders in the subsidiary markets. It's exciting, really exciting job uh, working in headquarter because you have to deal with cross-culture um, interactions every single moment, every single day. Mm. So I'm talking with Asia, uh, counterpart in Asia and Europe, Latin America, North America, Middle East, and uh, even Russia. <laughs> mm. yeah, it does, there are a lot of human interactions, which I'm really thrilled about. <laughs> you talked about wanting to get into other places and spaces. Did you have a sense of that's the job I want? Or was it, that's the level I want to operate at? Or no, I'm just open to anything new. What was mm. your mindset? Or even are you, were you even aware of it at the time? Yeah. 
actually, that is one of the points um, of this podcast that I really want to share with all the people that uh, who is listening to this podcast. Yes, when I look back, there are a few elements which brought me to the stage that I have now. One of the things was actually is the conscious decision of the moment when it comes. I would not say that I wanted to have this exact job who is doing this role, but there it was matching to the direction that I was going in my life. I started my journey in South Korea, in Gangnam. Everybody knows Sai, right? This Gangnam, there are a lot of companies. And I started my journey in this Korea, like one of the biggest company, LG, everybody knows. This conglomerate, typical Korean organization. It was also a very good job. And then we've been through, I've been learning a lot. That was my first official company that, that I loved that I joined, you know, because I love this company I joined. But after two and a half years, I suddenly quit and I went to America to study the area that we wanted to study, we wanted to fill my academic background on that area. When, when I look back, I think without intention, I didn't know that that was my intention or that was my characteristic, but I had this conscious decision with certain clear core in mind, and I moved to the place that's there. So actually, my intention was not living in three continents all over the world. Actually, my parents are still in, in Korea, like I'm the youngest, so they are old, poor them. My two sisters are living in America, and I left as well Korea to Germany. It was not my intention. I just followed my, it's not the dream, it's not the right word. I followed the next phase, next challenges, you know, a little bit giving me the tension that I developed to the next level. And it was there at that time in America. It was there when I came to Germany. And so I really want to land this message that look for the opportunity that you, you want to go as a driver, as I said, in a driver's seat. You know, drivers knows where the destination is. Drivers choose the options once the way the street is in two directions, right? And thirdly, driver drive, right? They drive. <laughs> They sit there and drive, press the accelerator. I really want to share this experience to the, especially the young people who I got a lot of questions from them, from my subordinates or from my peers or from previous teams. Some of them are asking a lot of times like, what's the company's plan for me? What's my next step that company has? Please don't ask this question to your leader. You should know your final destination. Company or the organization is only giving the opportunities and you are the one in the driver's seat. Choose A or B or C and keep driving it, please. So this is really, yeah, like this is the one that I really wanted to share. Thank you. I could have done with that advice 35 years ago. <laughs> but it's all Thank coming you. from the clear picture of your very far distance vision that you have in your life. And it gives you the, let's say, directional guidance all the time, like a guiding post far away there. But that direction, you know, not exactly five centimeters to the right. Next one should be manager of this department. The other, in two years time, I have to be a director. I have to be whatever. It's really dragging you down. If it's not happening, then how are you going to overcome it? If your direction is far away, just anchor there something and just pull this line to that direction. It's a really exciting role because of uh, three elements, I would say. One is this cross-cultural element. So in my job, in our job, we have to talk with this cross-cultural people every single day, every single moment. Asia, Europe, 
Latin America, North America, Middle East, and Russia and CIS, we call, call it CIS. We have to have this human interaction, not only the, not only the business. It's really exciting element, personally. Second of all, it's the big picture. You know, like you can really influence the big picture. You can really create, be the part of creating the big picture in the seat of the global organization and global headquarters site. And from scratch to the actual execution, it's really rewarding work in this great company. And working in headquarters, having the experience in the local subsidiaries is also another fulfilling element because I know the other coin, uh, part of the coin, side of the coin, and then now I'm sitting in the complete the other side of the coin because I, when I was working, it's a, always the joke that I, I was sharing to my colleagues in Global. I really hated these global people when I was working in this Korean subsidiary area because they don't know hell about anything and they are asking to do something and then they don't know even how to ask the questions. You know, that was my perception. So sitting in the other side of the coin and then listening or asking the same questions to the subsidiaries, knowing that they are going to think like me <laughs> like 10 years before. So it's like, uh, it's a funny story and then it's, uh, but it's in the other hand, you know, I can understand the other part of the, the audience. So maybe I'm approaching in different way and then it's rewarding again. So it's very much fulfilling job. That's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Where you can see the other side of the, of the exactly. fence, so to speak. And I'm quite interested in when you find yourself asking the same questions, because guess what? You need the same information. Yeah. Did you have the capacity then, do you think, to ask it in a manner that was more palatable for the people receiving it? Or actually, it was more, it's not really the questions I'm asking, it's just the fact that maybe I'm perceived as an interference because I'm not them. Exactly. I mean, that's a really, uh, one of the parts that I was, that took me a time to overcome at the beginning of my headquarter times was overcoming that I'm sitting in the other side of the, the coin. Then I have to really fulfill my role as this part of the organization, regardless of or not having the perception, not having the pre-imagined answers from them. They didn't answer me in that way. But you know, I judge myself when I'm asking the questions, even though they didn't say anything. Yeah, so of course, you know, I uh, modified, you know, knowing that they might think in this way. So I modify my questions. Of course, I adjust my approach to them so that they can be more open. But it's also another experience, a whole lot of one hour talk that I can do, culture by culture, area by area, person by person, the approach that you have to approach to open them up, to collaborate with you was really, really different. Probably that's why I was so wondering about this coaching approach or how to ask questions or how to understand the other side. And listen, we've got well, a lot we're going to talk about, right? And maybe this will even be a separate podcast episode when we come back to it. <laughs> I think so, really. There's something about, you know, guess what? We've got arms, we've got legs, we're all human, but of course we're all very different. And even though there are cultural specifics did you find there was a core truth that actually, regardless of where people are from, there's something about being human that if I can tap into that, then actually that'll take me a long way. Did you recognize anything in that space? Of course. Of course. It's just, uh, how can I say, what you have to adjust is 
probably putting some of the elements that the other party can be comfortable with. Maybe reading a little bit of a code to open them up at the beginning. But at the end, if you are truthful, if you are always consistent, if you are acting based on your value that you honored, then it's just a matter of a little bit of a time. But that is the common ground that I found out that you can connect with anybody at the end. It's all about you. You know, like you cannot change the word. You cannot change the behavior of all the counterparts that you're dealing with, right? So, you know, you have Absolutely. to change, but you have to change or adapt a little bit of a sense or your code a little bit, but you are not changing yourself. Hmm. So if you're stand on you, you know, stand on your value, stand on the things that you trust that is right. The end, I really confirm that everybody is reacting on you the same way somehow. There's something very insightful about that, I think, which is, of course, we might need to understand people at different ages and people come from different cultures and all of those things are true. But sometimes they can be a bit of a red herring, I think, for things not working. When actually, if you go beneath that surface and say, mm -hmm. well, those things are true. Guess what? I'm talking to a human being. Mm -hmm. And what do they want to do? They want to trust me. They want to believe I'm being transparent. Mm -hmm. There are inherent truths mm -hmm. that if I tap into that, mm -hmm. then maybe that's the... Oh, I was going to use the word Esperanto there, which was that mm. universal language that somebody tried to create once. You know, yeah. Maybe that is the universal language, right? It's I think so. the experience I'm having of you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I truly believe that. And then I, I learned, you know, like one of my education that I have done, this NLP, you know, like Neuro Linguistic mm -hmm. Programming. In this psychological background, or I don't know the, what was the real background of that, but if you trust that everybody is doing their best in their own way, that was one of the clues for me to connect with the people, with the patients, or with more wide understanding or more in-depth understanding of the other party. Because you are very easy to judge other people, like why they are acting in that way, what the hell they are thinking. But if, you, your, if your starting point is, yes, in their word, in their model of the word, they are doing their best. So if you acknowledge and approach the people, it was much, I would say, much easier to connect with the people in a personal level, hmm. even in the business context. So one thing before we get into your current truths, so to speak, one of the key things for me, people <laughs> get the giggles now, I don't know why, there's pre-COVID and then there's COVID. And I'd be really interested just to know how the reality of that has been for you as somebody that is interacting across the world. And I wonder, again, how much of that actually, you know what, not much of a change guy all the way through to, wow, what a difference. But how you are engaging with people, if you have that team, how you're keeping that connection, and just what are the maybe some of the learning points? I would say in one word, it has been changed, but in a good way in more positive way. These interactions with people very weirdly, now I don't feel it weird anymore, but very weirdly at the beginning, it got much more closer, much more personal with anybody in the world that I used to connect with. 
used to work with. You know, I, I of course work with all the same people, like one until one day before COVID lockdown ha- start to happen. But during this COVID time, somehow, like for example, with my team, you know, my direct team, we had every day 30 minute catch up just to get in. You know, not not only the download. You know, like what is the what what can be that much of a, the update every day? But we just check in. You know, how they are doing and how they feel. And funny enough, during this two two months of COVID, you know, two of my team members had to move. Uh, they they transferred to the other team. Then we had this farewell within the virtual session. Oh my God! It became the family gathering. <laughs> There's a spouse uh, got joined in the middle of the row, our wine drinking a virtual meeting session, virtual team session. So those kind of more intense interactions happened. And one of my team was saying, I feel much better. First of all. Being at home, working at home, more effective. She is part-time worker with two children at home, so she needed this additional time, commuting time, to to be better, you know, to to be more effective. So for her, it's much more effective. Not only her, actually, uh, all of my team members were saying the, saying the same. And also, because she's part-time, she only see few people during she was in the uh, at the office, and then she feels like she's so much disconnected with a lot of people. But because we are always in virtualization, everybody is so much dedicated. I feel like during COVID lockdown, or still we are working at home, many people, like many of us, got more disciplined, more uh, valued the other time uh, people's time. And when once you are in the meeting, you are much more dedicated on that time, on that meeting, on that topic, on the person in the other side. So. In that sense, I, I would say it's uh, it was much more positive experiences than the negatives. And I heard from many parts of the world, uh, my connections, that they are saying it was really a great moment to connect back to their family, which might not happen, you know, in their entire life. You know, maybe they lost their time to see their babies every day in that intense uh, moment, right? So quality time with the family and very effective at work, very easy to focus on. Yeah, and then discover each other more in depth within the family and within the, the team with the virtual setup as well. It will be interesting to see how much of this stays, I think. I don't know if you have a sense that as an organization, is that being spoken about as in, hey, when we come back online, how much of this do we need to go back to? Is that a conversation that's being had, do you think? Not yet. It's very beginning of the stage. Uh, roughly half of our employees went back to work. It's a huge building. Still, there are a lot of rules, you know, how much they can close together. Of course, you know, like meeting people one-to-one, face-to-face is much more than just looking into the virtual setup, but um, not much of, um, in that sense, you know, like we didn't have mm-hmm. that much of uh, conversations, I would say. Personally, you know, like this was much more quality time that I hear more uh, more from our surroundings and I feel the same from myself. And work-wise, it was really funny, interesting times because, you know, like when everything runs really smoothly, runs in plan, it's very easy, easy to appear like good, successful either leader or the company or fancy and stable, you know, like we have a lot of like kind of a package, you know, like a wrapping papers in you and in organization, in the team or something. Are you talking about the way that people present themselves as that professional veneer? Is that what you're referencing? The way that people is shown Hmm. without their intention. 
that's natural uh, kind of a setup. Yeah. But as soon as this event like COVID, nobody could uh, imagine or nobody have any control of it, <laughs> all of a sudden, it's totally visible for me. Now everybody got so naked, reveal one's true color. You know, either it's a company organization or the person. You can really clearly see that who had just a great facade, you know, and play the role, just to play the role, you know, that is given. Or the people or the leadership or the company that has or prepared dignity, integrity, and the depth or master thinking, you know. So I would not go further into it. But that was really interesting finding and observation that I experienced during COVID time. So I can see where you're being tactful there. There's something maybe about just in any organization, but particularly in a large organization, there'll be a distribution curve of people that their humanity gets displayed, their transparency comes forward, and their ability to trust others is on display. And of course, to the contrary, if you're more of a micromanager who needs to control and dominate, oh, yeah. then, then this must be a, a hellish situation for those people, <laughs> because it's going to require inherent trust and mm -hmm. human dynamics very quickly display themselves. And I think that's something that's become quite clear. So interesting that you've seen that and experienced it. This brings us to the point in your life where you've made your way into a senior role. You've followed that thread and been able to show to yourself and to others that you know how to do the role. You've succeeded at it. You've had that success. Organizations like Adidas don't suffer fools lightly. This comes to the next point of looking forward. I know you're in a position where you have a future that is worth discussing. It'd be great to hear about that. Yes, actually, as I introduced myself as 46.8 month years old lady who are opening up a new adventure and exciting and so much livelihood in her life at this moment. Yes, it means that I decided to leave this great company in the world and jumping into the real world. That was uh, probably when this podcast is going out, you know, by the time that I'm really out of these companies. Still, when we are recording, I'm still part of the organization. I don't know how words can express my feeling of this fulfilled heart, you know, going into my own words. But yes, I'm following my vision much more closely. So far, I think I was working on topics with people, as everybody does in the corporate world. So you are working on some uh, topics that is given to you, with people, with your best. But my vision is to work on people as a topic in itself. So it was always in my life journey, the destination that I want to arrive. And then somehow this, as I said, you know, COVID time gave me even more clearer answer that this is the right timing. And then bravely, I resigned in my, how can I say, top of the pyramid of my experience in Adidas and starting up my own business on coaching-based consulting area. Wow. Little drum roll there. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, I'm excited. We'll have some more conversation as we go. I know this is going to be an amazing chapter in your life. This time of COVID and giving you that reflection, were there any catalysts that took you to a position where you went, hmm, it's now? Yeah, I think I would say gradual. 
but at the last few moments was it got really you know like right before this movie starts or right before this orchestra starts you know there is a like last moment that accelerate your decision or your moment that this is the thing i think when i really look long back of my journey of my career around i would say 10 years ago this seed has been dropped in my mind I would say there was the management development program actually I was in at that time I had a chance to really draw my picture of my future which was at that time I draw my picture of uh, my senior age you know 80 years of Clara and I could really picture of my future and came back to position that I was at that time then I was going on my journey but as I said before it was directional thing that when whatever choices comes along the way in my journey I was not choosing oh is this the higher position with higher title higher money or lower money good bad company I think I was just comparing these opportunities with the vision that I painted which is clearly stored in my brain and if it was in the line of direction to go to that journey then I took it Adidas of course was not the only company that I worked with I had two more companies before but along the way I was always choosing these companies whenever I choose the companies whenever I choose to move the positions within the companies when I choose to leave the company I always like compare or ask my standard which which is my vision or my life purpose that if it's fitting to that direction anyhow so in this long journey 10 years ago I paint the picture and in that picture there was a roadmap to go there very directional roadmap not the clear description of year by year but directional wise in this roadmap says around my age of 45 to 50 I wanted to start this complete new journey which in the topic work for the topic which is close to my vision and give me passion every single moment for, for working with that you know heart pounding topics you know that is the moment and it just came and COVID came together <laughs> so I was like okay COVID came together is it the right moment? Am I crazy? I ask, of course, you know, like uh, my friends or my surroundings. But, you know, actually, I didn't get the answer from there. I got my answer from my heart because over the last recent few years gave me already the answer. I was preparing to go to that journey and I realized that I really arrived in the moment and no reason to wait longer because of COVID. So there's something about recognizing this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the moment. And actually, I'm either going to make an excuse for myself and then saying, actually, no, I'm, I'm in the moment. This is it. There is no perfect moment. There might be the wrong moments, but there's no perfect moment. <laughs> yeah, making that choice. Yeah, I really think um, I was really like a reflecting a lot of my previous journeys. Of course, you know, like when you really decide leaving this very stable, almost perfect company, mm. <laughs> you know, in the perfect position uh, with a lot of safety. Mm. Of course, I had to reflect a lot. There are around four pillars or four elements that I was always kept it or I, I always having it to, uh, with me along the way. The first one is, I often talk about this already. This is my vision, very, very clear vision. What's my kind of last goal should look like? What do I want me to look like in my quite late stage of my life? 
which I call my vision or my life purpose. What am I really valuing? You know, what's my value that I honor? You know, what which I cannot negotiate in any moment. I will not, for example, share my value, respect, transparency or honesty, responsibility and love. That was the core value that I've never negotiate or trade with anything else, even 10 million or whatever. But if I have to sell one of this value, I would never do it really. So with this value, vision, and my life purpose, having it very clearly as a foundation of my life behavior, like a principle of my whole life approach, on top of this foundation, firm and never changing foundation, I build the kind of a building on top of it. So the secondly, like this conscious decision that we were about to talk about, you know, like on the way, if there is any decision comes, then you decide and you are in the driver's seat, which is the third one. And trust yourself because you have a firm ground. You decide for yourself and you are the driver. Of course, trust yourself is coming naturally. Right. So these are the, I could remember really um, remind myself that these are the four pillars that I always had in my hands, in my mind, and it guided me to the way that I was going. So that's why, you know, of course, I'm going into completely open, wide open, the open world, which doesn't have any safety net at this moment. (laughs) I trust myself. I'm going to make it happen. During the last 25 years, I made it happen. I started my journey as an internship doesn't even get paid that much, very, very little money. But over 25 years, I made it somehow, right? Then why can I do it in the future? I still have 50 years to go. <laughs> if people live at 100 years old these days, so step by step, one by one, if I build my building with the same foundation, that's the thing that I don't want to, I want to really share with the words. That's why I think I'm going into this kind of a business, you know, the topics that I want to really share, why I really want to spread out or or teach, train, coach people to, to be a companion of them who wants to go to the similar journey using my experience that I stack up during whole business experience that I had in the corporation world and combining this coaching approach. And I want to really help them enable other people. Well, I'm excited already. (laughs) When you and I spoke, I was very quickly engaged by the nature of you. I think there is something about your willingness to step into the unknown. And I think there's something very engaging about somebody who genuinely has good intent. But also there's something for me that is very often more important than good intent, and that's competence. Because I think there's a lot of people in the coaching space that have very good intent, and they've been on lots of courses, but they don't actually have practical skills of having worked in certain environment. They haven't got sometimes the IQ or the EQ to excel. Just like in a commercial world, the fact that you want to be global doesn't mean that you've got the competence, the IQ or the EQ to do it. There is something about being being very good at what you do that is about your craft as much as it is about your intent and I think that's where you're going to shine you have those things lined up I think you have that real world experience you're not somebody that just has a dream of being a coach and helping people but has no real world experience to pull on and reference and benchmark that's going to be I think incredibly powerful so it'd be lovely just to get a little sense of and I know there's still thinking to be done if I went to your website and said hey what does this Clara Minley do what would i read there with my business there are three focus area because as you as you just mentioned 
of course, I have a lot of experience in the business and I've been trained as a coach, but I really want to be in the area that I have expertise. You know, I don't want to f- make a fool of, out of uh, other people's money and, uh, and time, right? This is the area that I defined that, that I, say, I can say that I'm expert and I can really help. One is the businesses who are ready to make the next step into their own maturity curve, you know, either scale up or make the concrete system or the structure. I love to design the business framework or the strategy. And that was my expertise uh, over this, the last years. Those businesses who want to either, regardless of the sizes of the business, you know, if they, are, they want to go to the next step, but if they want to make some sustainable structure or the framework within the business, either business framework or organizational framework or interaction model, which I was always in, or the roadmap, you know, from A to B, you know, from vision to the execution or standardizing some process of the business. They are my customer. I can help them. I'm, I actually have my customer already that asked me like, what is the market segment? How should we segment the market? The word, we have already the business. We are strong enough, but we don't know how to segment. What is the best way? Or how can I interact with these people who are sitting in the different side of the world? How can I not harming them, but helping them and collaborate with them? You know, that's, uh, that was the typical question that I was asked based on my experiences. Creating this uh, sustainable structure or the framework to scale up their business or the structure their business or revamping the existing framework that is not working anymore. That's the first part. Second one is leaders or to be leaders, not only the leaders, but who is about to go to the leader position or who just got the leader position, but not never been trained as, as being a good re- leader, helping them formulating their own leadership style or pave their own way either individuals or who wants to grow as a leader or the companies who develop professionals to the leaders. Because many companies that I was talking with that was asking me, you know, like, uh, listen to their challenges. If you're not the giant company like Adidas, the small startups or the medium-sized companies, they usually have a lot of CXOs, you know, CEO, CFO, C something O, and they have a lot of professionals. They don't have middle sections because they don't have capacity. They didn't grow in that way. So when they want to grow professionals to the next level, then they're having this setup or having these preparations. And that's the area that can help. Thirdly, businesses, individuals, or teams who are in the multicultural environment, especially Western and the nation. So many examples, live examples that they have a challenge because they don't understand their cultural code. Who are looking overcome these challenges? I mean, this is really the cases that I saw and experience and observe a lot within my own team, my own experience. When you are sitting in this Western world and talking with complete Asian, 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 sitting in Far East Asia. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot really imagine how much misunderstanding or lack of understanding is happening in the one call. These Asians, in my Asian ears, I can understand what they are actually explaining, what's their approach. But in this side, are answering or approaching completely different way and then meeting finishes. And after meeting finish, they say, what was that question? Why they even ask? And then my Asian friends, you know, text me, what What was the question? What was the the point? You know, where are we? So, you know, I had this kind of a real life experiences, which I really want to spread out because if you understand this code, you're 
synergy your organization can bring up to make things happen is enormous. So to make long story short, <laughs> so these are the three areas that I really want to, and I'm doing, focusing on my business that I want to grow together with the people that I'm going to meet, that I'm working with. As I said, I love to design business strategies or framework. That was my expertise. That was my job. That was my team's job. But after a long experience of this uh, working in this field, I, I observed very obviously the companies and leaders at the end or along the way forget about really the people element to make things happen. People are human beings, you know, they have emotions. Motivation makes them work. Companionship makes them move. You know, like if you eliminate those things and at the end you measure the success with only ROI, cost and numbers, you know, like you are really totally losing the power that you can, you could have leveraged. At the end, you get what you want, you know. So I'm kind of ambassador of ROP, which I created. I don't know if there's there. You know, return on people. That should be the measure, one of the measure. I'm not saying that I'm the businesswoman. I'm not saying that ROI is not the things that we have to not focus on, but ROP is really the clue of the success, sustainable success. I'm going to ask you that code you referenced. Do you have an example of that? Some people will just know what you're talking about. For somebody maybe that doesn't have that diverse set of experiences, what is an example of that code where it's almost he says this, she hears that, she says this, he hears that. It's almost that men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's an example of that in this context that you've been speaking about? One example of this missing code. First of all, I want to make very clear comments that this is my personal experience, my personal interpretation. <laughs> because, of course, you know, like I'm an Asian, 46 years old, but maybe 20 years of Asian, you know, in same country uh, or so, and still uh, from the Gangnam of where I lived. Maybe he says differently, but that's fine. You know, like the feedback that I got when I was working in Korea from my boss or from my peer. They are saying you have too much strong opinion and sometimes it's very hard to listen peacefully, you know, because you have a so such a strong voice, for example, you know, your opinion. First feedback that I got from Germany after I came here within a year was from my peer. Ara, would be good if I hear more of your opinion. Why you're so quiet? <laughs> so I was like, what? I was I trained myself to cope up with the rules, you know, like a general kind of a rules that is existing in that culture that I am in. I trained myself to soften my voice and not the real voice, but, you know, my opinion. Over years and years, I trained myself and I got a really good feedback on development of the site. But in the other side of the world, completely opposite feedback. And I was asked to say more or to express yourself more, more clearly clearly more openly or more, how can I say, more directly. Oh yeah, directly was the feedback. So you are too direct in Korean culture, but in culture that I was working here was you're a little bit too, not too direct. That was first example. Second one, you know, like we have a lot of WebExes, you know, we have this group WebExes uh, with our counterpart. So we group our business leaders in two groups, like who is fitting to German morning time and then their morning time and German evening time. Usually morning time, German morning time calls are older Asian countries are calling in, of course, because of the time schedule. Evening call, of course, we are presenting the same topics. Evening call is really live conversations, asking, debating or challenging. Exactly same content 
when we go into the morning call, which China, Korea, Japan, or sometimes Southeast Asia, or sometimes Russia comes in, it's dead silent. And then in our room, usually like our Western culture people are sitting in the room holding this WebEx, we are rolling our eyes and asking, why they are not asking any questions? Is it disagreeing or is it agreeing or something like that, you know? So these are very often just quite small subtleties, but they all stack up mm. to a narrative about how the other person's operating and seeing the world. One other example was the same kind of a call. For sure, in my understanding, our side is people were asking, just asking the question, what was the reason? But the Asian culture was excusing themselves, giving the explanation why they did it, you know, as if we challenged them, as if we complained to them. So asking questions sometimes can become across to the other side, depending on the way that you ask questions to the Asian culture, can be interpreted as challenge, as if they did something wrong. Mm. So that directness, which is for the one party transparent and honest and actually is coming from great intent. It's interesting, isn't it, between the old adage about the difference between intent and impact. Yeah, yeah. And usually Asian culture, when you are explaining one of the um, topics, for example, if Asian culture is explaining the situation from one, two, three, four, as an order in Western culture, I realized that four, two, three, one. For example, the way of explaining or the order of saying things are different. So it often creates a misunderstanding or lack of understandings in between two cultures. So after training myself years in here, I also try my best when I'm facing to the Western culture people. Then I try to start from the four rather than starting from one, which is my natural <laughs> way of explaining things. You know? Yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of things. There's a great phrase in the development game, which is great communication is the reaction you get, not the intent that you had. And I think this is really key here that we can all come to it with good intent, but actually that's not craft. That's just good intent. And that's a beautiful thing. But the real adultness, the real emotional intelligence, the real IQ is the ability of recognizing, well, if my intent is great, but I'm not getting the reaction that I want, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's got to be something about my craft, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's where you come in now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as I said, you know, before, in situation, if you trust that the other person is doing their best in their model of the world, then you have patience to solve it or to, to room to understand with each other. That's the phrase, isn't it? Your model of the world. Yes, yes. Actually, if we're both good people, but looking through a different lens, then the reality is, how do we make those adaptions? Well, I don't think you won't be busy, Clara. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you make the move we're obviously timing this correctly when will you be in open space running freely and operating in the world i would say august onwards yeah now guy we are sitting in july right <laughs> even though our audience is going to listen to it on august yeah end of july i'm officially leaving my company my corporate world and then i'm as i said you know from the first day onward i'm going to dive into this real new world <laughs> You and I have connected and I'm going to stay in contact and there might be a second episode here. I'd love to do a follow-up with you and go, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. We can maybe give a little bit of traction and a bit of tracking. Yeah, and then it would so, be really interesting if it's, if there is like up and downs, you know, like all things, right? Yeah, yeah I'm having a rubbish week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think I, I made a mistake. What the fuck I did, you know? 
Oh dear. Yeah, well, people can listen to us just holding each other and rocking in. <laughs> yeah, live events, you know, it's kind of a what is that the the real life show in America kind well, of exactly. Yeah, let's just watch these two idiots crying. <laughs> Or listen to them sobbing, sobbing on her broadcast. Yeah, that'll, we'll, be, we'll be famous if nothing else. Oh, blimey. So listen, Clara, I'm going to neatly bring us to a close. I think you and I will have further conversations, and I'm already looking forward to them right now. It's been a joy. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and we're, we've been WhatsApping each other on video as well while we've been talking. So <laughs> New setup. Listen, I'm going to press stop in a minute. We'll keep on talking. I just want to say thank you very much. This is going to be a great episode and I can't wait to edit it. And we'll agree the drop date, as they say in the Mm -hmm. podcast world, which is some new lingo I'm learning for my own credibility. Just thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. We've got some fantastic guests coming up. Subscribe so you don't miss them. On upcoming episodes, we have an absolutely great group of people coming on. We have Mandy Hickson. Now, Mandy was the only female fighter pilot on her frontline tornado squadron flying multi-million pound fast jets for the Royal Air Force. That is just an absolutely superb episode. We have also Paul Nansen, CBE. Paul was the Director of Leadership, Commandant of Sandhurst, Commander, Army Recruiting and Basic Training for the Royal Military. And we have Bill Hutchinson, Director of Customer Experience with Dropbox. A whole bevy of absolutely thrilling guests that are coming on the podcast. We've also, of course, got conversations between myself and some of the team, Kevin and Stu, and we hope to get Philippa into this as well once we can make our diaries align. And I've even been threatening to do some monologues as well, which probably will not be my best idea, but I'm determined to do some. Now, what do I need from you? I need you to subscribe. I need you to maybe give us some ideas about people that we could talk to. And most importantly, please tell people. Share it on social media. Tell people when you come across them, if they're looking for something to listen to that you think can add value. If you could be so brilliant as to share the episodes on LinkedIn, that would be absolutely amazing. But you know, the thing for us is we're an up and coming podcast. We're trying our absolute best to get fantastic guests on. And of course, guess what? The more people that listen to the podcast, the more attractive we are to the guests that we want. And then you have a better listening experience. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Take care. That's it. Subscribe so you keep updated on new episodes. Visit livingbrave.com if you want to connect with us and find out more. This has been Leadership Bites. See you soon.